Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture. Michael Hamblet, Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw, though. And Hamlet, a lovely long bank holiday weekend, family, friends, sun, seaside, barbecues, beers, and then Raw comes along and ruins it all yet again. Yeah, um, really depressingly bad. That sums up really nicely. Family, friends, and feelings. And not just from those family and friends, but feelings from a pro wrestling show. So Raw has no right to earn a place amongst those things after the, the weekend that we just had. Um, because if you didn't have a particularly nice bank holiday weekend for the pandemic or because you don't like your family and friends, that's fine too. Um, but if you listen to this podcast, odds are you're a wrestling fan and you probably had a really nice weekend feeling feelings of pro wrestling. Um, I would say this is back down to earth with a thud, but WWE doesn't exist on fucking earth. Does it like the, thunder, the Thunderdome and Vince McMahon's mind is no longer of this planet. Um, this was WWE. This was bad. I'm not qualified for this job anymore because I've run out of things to say. <laughs> like for several years, I thought, what is the funniest way to bury this? Or what Simpsons joke can I adapt to bury this? It's just unburyable. Like it's just a, it's bones in the ground. Mm. It's dead. Well, I, I'll, I'll obviously think of things to say throughout. It's just irredeemably bad. Will never be good. And it's not worthy of my time nor analysis. In better news, not only are we doing the NXT preview, of course, later on today, myself and the Dadleys will be sitting down to review Double or Nothing uh, later on as well. Obviously, slightly delayed due to the bank holiday. Uh, but we'll be discussing that show that Hamlet alluded to actually being fun and entertaining and making you feel something. Uh, right, let's start on Monday Night Raw. It opened up with Corey Graves and the face of Jimmy Smith, the man who's just realised he's made a huge mistake on by joining Raw's commentary team. There was a, a Memorial Day video 
radio. And we opened up with Miz TV with the Miz and John Morrison. And I have to say, lads, talk about encapsulating the 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 real oh god rules here, isn't it? This segment is everything that is wrong with WWE encapsulated here. Uh, so Miz opens up and he says, oh, everybody give a big welcome back to me. I'm back and I've been injured. Uh, he got serious talking about his match with Damien Priest. Neglected to mention the zombie bollocks that happened. Uh, but there was allusions to that in the form of John Morrison wearing garlic around his neck. Miz had noticed a bad smell. Morrison was wearing it. He also had the drip stick to defend against potential attacks. He's talking vampires. He's talking mummies. He's talking aliens, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they introduced their guest. It is Charlotte Flair. She's like, what is that smell? Uh, she doesn't like it. Uh, she said she's uh, going to become a champion again at Hell in a Cell. Miz says, oh, how many times champion is that? She says, 14-time champion. But who's counting? Me. I guess I'm counting. And Miz and Morrison die of laughter. I mean, talk. this is what I mean by this being encapsulating how bad Raw is. She said, hey, look, Rhea Ripley, she's world champion. She's she had a great time of it. It's a fairy tale story of hers, but real life isn't a fairy tale. Dreams, they turn into nightmares. And in three weeks, I'm going to send Rhea. Uh, Rhea Ripley enters. She says, huh, you're going to send me to hell? You can go to hell. Oh, uh, Miz and Morrison, Miz and Morrison don't want them to, to fight. They want to learn more about the mysterious Rhea Ripley. What do her tattoos mean? What's her motivations, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Morrison says, hey, pop quiz. What's your favorite garlic bread recipe? And Miz is like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to make sure she's not a vampire. They don't like garlic. Rhea says, <laughs> Oh, that's got to be the dumbest thing I ever heard. I'm not a vampire. I'm a nightmare to everyone. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Look that. I'm a nightmare for everyone in the Raw Women's Division. She said she's going to beat Charlotte. Charlotte says, how are you going to beat me when you can beat Nikki Cross? And they say, oh, yeah, you lost to Nikki Cross last week in that two-minute beat-the-clock bollocks. Um, they showed the footage. Cross came out. She said, Look, I beat the women's champion last week. Should only be fair that I faced the winner of the match at Hell in a Cell, basically whoever's the world champion after Hell in a Cell. Ripley went, well, uh, if that clock had four minutes on it, I could have beaten you. You wouldn't even be standing here. Uh, but you did earn my respect. Charlotte was like, piss off, Nikki. Uh, Cross said, I can beat you too. Charlotte went, huh, I can beat you in a minute. So Cross slapped her. Charlotte called her a troll and they accept the match. Before we get to the other beat the clock challenge, Sige. Your thoughts on this opening segment? I pressed pause. Somehow, I didn't press pause during this to go on to Twitter or do any kind of distraction. I sat through this mm. and watched it. And then when I realized what this segment sought to accomplish, I pressed pause on not something I'm paying for. <laughs> a, a browser that will go unnamed. <laughs> and when I pressed pause, I arrived at the timestamp 17 minutes. <laughs> they, and I know they did the Murakarara at the start, but that's still TV time. Hmm. 17 minutes of television time. It's bad enough when they do this every week for two decades. <laughs> set up a main event, right? 17 minutes via 
excruciating verbiage promo train and props 17 minutes to set up a two-minute beat-the-clock match, <laughs> which was designed to build a match between two unlikable dickheads trying to determine who can most quickly defeat some little babyface dickhead who celebrates not getting beat as a victory from out of nowhere, having done nothing for six months. Oh, there's Nicky Cross. All right. <laughs> Where's she been? Gays. I, I just, I could not think of a bigger waste of my time, a worse way to build a match that any other promotion could book well or promote well in Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. I just hate it. I just hate it. Yeah, the kids aren't up at the start of an episode of Raw. So I was like desperately looking around for any kind of distraction. And then luckily like another wrestler's music hit. So I was just staring into space for that for about five minutes. And that was what I needed to pull me away from this. Um, Christ, I. Rhea Ripley was the worst of the bunch this week. But you can rotate that on any given week. Um, like Because they're all awful. Yeah, there's absolutely nobody to like. Rhea Ripley, act, walking, talking, acting as if she's just secured a place in the playoffs on the last weekend of the season, when in reality, she's smashing the ball into her own net. Like, over and, and over. Champion. Yeah, like, over and over again. The whole thing, like, it's not it's not some sort of, like, witty comeback to say, no, oh, well, uh, I know I didn't beat you in two minutes, but I would have done in four. Yeah. You said you could beat her in two. That's on you. Like, Charlotte, like, just to sort of follow on from that, huh, I could beat her in one. Challenge after the break, two minutes. <laughs> I was confused by that. No, man, like, Jesus Christ. Um, and, like, on the prop, because John Morrison and The Miz, like, I feel like I'm maybe, like, being way too charitable and way too generous. But sometimes Ms. Morrison, and specifically John Morrison, tries to, like, talk or act in a way that, like, tries to get over bad material through the force of will. The drip stick just reminded me of the shake weight from the episode of South Park. <laughs> and this programme's... I was going to say for kids, it's not. It's, it's for toddlers. Um, <laughs> you, you cannot do that. You cannot have some ginormous spunking device on <laughs> anymore. Um, so they couldn't get that over either, nor particularly the garlic. Uh, this is miserable. This was miserable. And then we got the beat the clock match. As Sid said, 17 minutes to lead to a two-minute match. The first minute of which was just Nikki Cross getting out of the ring whenever Charlotte came nearer. Charlotte cuts her off uh, after confronting Ripley on the outside, attacks her, Cross hits a tornado DDT. Charlotte fights back, tries to put in the figure four to transition it obviously into the figure eight, but time runs out and Cross goes, another win for me, baby. And then we go, well, I can't wait to see these two losers who both lost to Nikki Cross face <laughs> off at in a cell. Two, literally two unlikable heels working a title programme. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse than ever. And it is. Like, I used to hate John Cena for years. Delighted by, by, at his cancellation, can I just say. This stupid, inspirational life coach, Gwyneth Paltrow, dickhead on Twitter. Ah, miss John Cena. I liked him. Go back and watch, like, two consecutive episodes of Raw with him at the helm. You don't like John Cena. And if you do, you're an idiot. Right? 
even then, when he was a cruel, witless bully, being horrible to people, at least it was clear that he was meant to be a baby face to somebody, right? Mm. I was not a five-year-old, seven-year-old child when John Cena was at his peak, but I endured it knowing that, right, okay, there's an audience for him and a big one. So I know why he does the things that he does. This is, what, what is this? What is Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley? How could anyone possibly like, support, root for, identify with either of these people? Two losers, one of them's a champion. Two losers who are just awful about to have a fight. It's we're so far removed from Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and Bret Hart and Steve Austin. It's literally not even funny. I uh, I forget which podcast it was last week. I feel like I appealed a campaign heart on sleeve for there to be like one episode of Raw where there wasn't an image of a baby face celebrating like ill-gotten gains on the floor. WWE produced that image four times in the opening match of this episode of Raw, <laughs> Mickey Cross. That was a whole MO. Stand on the outside and cheerlead for yourself about how you're about to steal the victory. <laughs> one match. And we got it more than once this episode. The, the highlight of the opening, what? 20, 25 minutes of this show was Morrison ruining Charlotte Flair's entrance by singing along to it. Ridiculous. So we go backstage. Uh, it's Riddle and Damien Priest. They're having a chat. They're all jazzed about crowds coming back. Uh, Riddle's asking about how to say some phrases in Spanish. He gets a, an Eddie Guerrero line in there. And then he says, how do you say, hey, Randy? And Priest says, hey, Randy. Riddle's thinking, oh, it might be more of a translation there. But never mind all that bollocks. Randy Orton's got a goatee and he's here. He's here to mess things up on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Riddle says how excited he is to see him. Talks about obviously hitting the RKO last week. Orton was clearly a bit peeved about uh, about Riddle utilizing his finisher. But regardless, he said, we're going to have to work together if we're going to be a tag team. Why don't you come down? Why don't you join me at ringside for my match with Xavier Woods? And they did the whole shutting your mouth and locking it shut and tossing the key and then Riddle searching for the key bollocks pamphlet. Yeah. You say like, oh, Riddle searching for the key bollocks because we've just become so acceptant of it. We've become so numb to it. He, he's scooting around on the floor looking for an invisible key. Like, you can have one R-Truth and you've got one R-Truth and he's really good at being R-Truth. That's the benefit of having this one specific R-Truth is that he's the best R-Truth there is. And the whole point of all of this, this goes back to the, I'm going to invoke the Bray Wyatt Undertaker debate of a few weeks ago. Um context of these particular types of characters is absolutely everything our truth you have almost entire creative freedom for him to be as stupid as confused as whatever you want because it's in the dna of his gimmick uh he sells it really well and he's got like fairly proven form to like get this stuff over as well you can't just make everybody our truth you can't make your entire locker room our truth randy orton might well be setting up riddle to eventually eat an RKO and have their big SummerSlam program or whatever and people are quite invested in it like it's quite entertaining their chemistry is pretty good you sense the match the payoff will all be pretty good but Randy Orton became a sympathetic character when Matt Riddle started scooting around looking for an invisible key didn't he because mm. you would turn on him too 
because you just can't you can't do that. These people aren't real human beings. Randy Orton is much closer to being a real human being, so he would look at this be like, this dickhead, like this dickhead knows that, like not even a five year old would fall for that, doesn't he? I'm gonna have to kick him in the head now because I can't trust him. They're taking the one good thing on the show, and they're reducing it to everything else in WWE, which is risible, like immature, not at all believable comedy, and like this angle is the best thing on Raw by like a frightening distance. Maybe Riddle's going to turn on Randy Orton and he's going to say, you know why I did what I did, Randy, because you've got my nose. Give it back, Randy. <laughs> Give me my nose back. <laughs> Good. I watched this with the faintest glimmer of, uh, just I'm going to go a little bit closer to the mic so you can, uh, my reaction can be uh, captured. Uh-huh. <laughs> <clears throat> because Orton Riddle, were kind of both corpse and like Riddle smirked, uh, Orton smirked as he went off camera and Riddle sort of did this knowing how stupid it was and he kind of broke at the end. My <laughs> was informed purely because I could, in my head canon, see them both just having a joint outside of the Thunderdome, looking at the script and going, you know, <laughs> state of this. And I've inferred that from the fact that they were both breaking this new world an absolute load of bollocks. The tiniest, like, bleed through of real people just on this show is so crucial to my enjoyment of it that I halfway liked this. So then we got uh, Randy Orton versus Xavier Woods. Uh, not on the level of Xavier Woods versus Riddle last week, but still... Competent, <laughs> best thing I could say here. Uh, we come back from the break. Orton's got a chin lock, of course he has. Uh, Woods comes back, strikes, rolling elbow. Uh, Orton power bombs him out of the corner for a two count. He goes for a draping DDT, takes an age. Uh, so Woods counters into an arm breaker. Uh, Orton comes back, hits the draping DDT. Woods counters an out RKO into a backslide for a two count. Uh, in the end, Orton catches Woods as he comes off the ropes. And he catches him, realizes he's got him in a perfect place, looks at Riddle, hits the bro Derek for the one, two, three. And Riddle couldn't have been happier. Fine, this, Sige, in terms of a match. Yeah, it's the best word. Honestly, it puts me in such a great mood watching a Raw match like this because I realize that when I now analyze it for my income, I can just say, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and then I can say that the word leaves my mouth Time elapses and I can go and work on my project that I'm really excited about quicker than I would be had I had to actually really focus on and write notes for and get the story beats. Randy Orton and Xavier Woods are talented to varying degrees and they had a match that was consistent with their abilities. Post-match, I half-liked Orton's oh, this little bastard is get me on board here. Mm. They're doing all right things with this. Yeah, Orton's like in ring, his in ring character work is entirely informed by somebody else being more entertaining than him on the floor and him being a part of a more entertaining story. Woods was good again. Um, really, enjoy, really enjoying him getting like back to back singles matches and having more of an opportunity to just show himself off lately. But it's funny that it comes at a time where they're pushing Kofi Kingston instead in the top line because it's only serving to expose that, like, ah, oh, yeah, like the, the angle's really good and Kofi wants another bite of Kofi Mania, but like maybe it should be Woods Mania, maybe it should be Woods in a cell. 
like he's far more versatile than most headliners at the moment. I'm more interested in seeing what he could do at a very high level, even though ultimately he's kind of a bit part player in this because you assume they're going to go to RK Bro versus the New Day as the grand payoff of some fashion to this. But I, I like this and it was um it was a good length as well. So mm-hmm. under 10 minutes is ideal for that kind of fine and functional type of raw match because you can't even resent it. There's not worse that when this sort of stuff badly, badly outstays its welcome and goes like 15 plus when the angles kind of like too thin a premise and if and it didn't here. So this is this is decent. Uh, throughout the night, I'm not really going to cover a lot of this to be perfectly honest because nothing was important uh, in terms of what was said. But throughout the night, we kept coming back to MVP, Bobby Lashley and the ladies uh, partying in the locker room rather than obviously interfering in the main event. And then in the back, we've got Reginald getting ready for his match with Shayna Baszler. And he said, I don't need your help, Nia Jax. He didn't. Uh, He wanted her to stay in the back. And then we got the match. Shayna Baszler, former NXT record-breaking women's champion against the wine bloke from SmackDown. Reginald does all of his flippy bollocks, dodges all the offense. She eventually takes him down with a shoulder tackle. He, he schoolboys her for a two count. He gives her a scoop slam. She eventually knocks him down. She attacks his leg. Former MMA fighter Shayna Baszler attacks his leg, puts an ankle lock in him. He slips out. He hits a spinning crossbody, tries a moonsault. This time Baszler moves. He lands awkwardly on his leg. She's recognised her opportunity. Shayna Baszler, number one contender for the Women's World title at WrestleMania 36. What's a Kirafuda clutch on the Cirque du Soleil bloke? And then Pyro goes off. It's spooky bollocks time. She lets go. Of course, surprise roll up. One, two, three. Reginald pins her. Reginald celebrates. He runs off. Shayna Baszler's angry and Reginald walks to the back and Nia Jack sort of goes, Reginald, you won! Yay! That wasn't a delay in, in our Zoom call, by the way. I don't know what happened. She just sort of went, now? Okay. Oh, can't believe it. Well done, mate. Uh, uh, the, the, the last semblance of any hope I had for Shayna Baszler. And it's gone, Michael Sidgwick. Reginald pins Shayna Baszler. My last semblance of hope for Shayna Baszler evaporated before Shayna Baszler entered the NXT system. <laughs> so could care less. Honestly, I'm not making this up, mate. I looked on Twitter this morning and I'm, I'm you know what they're like, the mutants, right? I don't think, I think maybe it was a joke. Or maybe someone genuinely, right, saw the image of, jumping ahead slightly, Shayna Baszler and Alexa Bliss and Lily and went, finally, this is the Shayna Baszler we've been waiting for. Are you joking? They're not. They're just idiots. Um, So, yeah, because my hope for Shayna Baszler evaporated before she entered the NXT system, because even by that point, it was clear that Vincent Wilder totally lost it and no... NXT promotee, much less one who worked an unusual to WWE style, was just going to die. 
So I don't care about that. So because I don't care about most things, I'm a WWE nihilist. I was impressed. I'm not being funny. Who cares about Shayna Baszler? No one, like, you can't care about any of these people. In terms of athletic movement, creativity, and Reginald selling better than most people do in this company, I could just put this in a little bubble, let it float away, and just watch the bubble because whatever it's floating away from is just toxic. Reginald's really creative. I actually have fun watching his stuff. And he sold quite impressively, considering that he's really not meant to be that kind of pro wrestler. Um, Reginald could appear on Dark, Dark Elevation, and you'd be like, Who the, this guy's great. And he would come back in a dynamite with the crowd and get over huge. I like Reginald, you know, I like him. Sorry, Will Bond, but it, Reginald's cool. <laughs> that has to be rooted in the first part of your monologue there, in that Shayna Baszler means nothing to you. It has to be. It is? Uh, yeah. Who cares about this match? It's the kind of thing they do. Yeah. I, uh, I'm probably somewhere in between both of you, because I was thinking a little bit of um, Jimmy Smith here. You know, the first... This is good, you know, we should put him over. He was very yeah. good. I thought, yeah, he was good all night. Um and I, there was a point during the post-WrestleMania Raw where I was thinking of Adnan Burke and being like, right, this is your job now. This is what you have to try and sell. And I was thinking of Jimmy Smith looking at his Raw format and seeing probably just like the bare bones because Vincent Mann was in the middle of Tipex and it all out anyway. And he saw like, oh, there's a Riddle segment and there's, oh, and then afterwards we've got like a Shayna Baszler segment. Like, cool. Ex-MMA backgrounds know how to sell the characteristics of these characters Finally, in my comfort zone, after what could be quite a tricky opening segment, uh, and the first one roots around for an invisible key, and the second one loses to a Cirque du Soleil champagne expert. And that's the moment where you're like, no, this is your job. <laughs> not, not calling that Kura food a clutch and talking about the damage that could do to somebody, uh, but this is your job. What your job is, I'm in, a real, um, I'm in a real friend's headspace at the moment after the reunion last week. Your job is to be Joey Tribbiani when Chandler's got to sell those trainers uh, that are on roller skates that got a flame up the side. And Joey just walks in and goes, whoa, it looks like they're on fire. <laughs> That's your job, Jimmy Smith. It's not to talk about cutting off the circulation as she locks Reginald in the Kirafuda clutch. I thought about him because I don't want to think about this because I'm being given nothing to think about. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Next up, it was a backstage interview with Drew McIntyre, who was, let's be honest, a bit of a knobhead to Kevin Patrick. Uh, he talked about respecting Kofi Kingston. He was going to face Kofi, of course, for the opportunity to face Bobby Lashley at Hell in a Cell. Uh, he's a man who'd do anything for his family. He's earned everything he's achieved. Uh, McIntyre knew what it's like to put everyone's needs ahead of his own. Well, maybe if he hadn't been so bloody unselfish, he'd have won a world title sooner. What? Okay. Uh, McIntyre said he stopped worrying about others to focus on winning the WWE title. It helped him reach the top. He talked about uh, telling his kids about the story of him beating, slaying Brock Lesnar, uh, something Kofi Kingston couldn't do because he's a piece of trash. Um, he said he liked Kingston, didn't sound like it. Uh, he's willing to do everything, he was willing to do everything that Kingston was not though, and he planned on rolling right over him and going on to face Bobby Lashley out in the cell. And then he told Kevin Patrick, Michael Hamlet, to bugger off. Like piss poor babyface dialogue given to Drew McIntyre. Um, the sort of like I can almost hear it in Bruce Pritchard's voice, depending on the podcast, where he says, Well, it's like fleshing out the character. We're talking about his history, we're talking about like his real life, and we're using the mythology of the Drew McIntyre character. Guy comes out with a sword, so of course, we can talk about his the children he'll one day have and the dragons he slayed and all that. It's not, it's it's garbage dialogue. It doesn't belong on a television show no more than it belongs in like one of the books I read my kids at night about dragons and swords. Like this is just a badly done version of that. But what continues to be a theme, it's not a recent theme, but it's one that just feels most prevalent at the moment, is this, do, do, they don't realise how often they get their characters to talk about just how much they resent WWE and the choices they've made in their life, <laughs> right? People give Cody a lot of stick for the baby news being such a big part of Dynamite. A little while ago, Cody and Brandy Rose, those that don't watch or care, having a baby. And it's, yeah, it's Cody's playground. So we can talk about having a baby on his show. But that comes with this sort of like, we're having a baby. We're really happy. The company are evidently really happy for us. Look what we can juggle in our life. Isn't this nice? Ignoring the privilege, just imagine our wrestler and another wrestler. Because I feel like they would do that with, if it was like uh, Britt Baker or someone was pregnant, it would just be like, this is nice. I'll see you soon. Isn't this great? Hmm. Drew McIntyre's like, I haven't been able to do any of that because of this godforsaken company, because of this stupid job that they make me do. You've got um, wrestlers whenever anybody, anybody, Randy Orton was the most recent one, Soldier Boy making an arsehole of him on Twitter. It's, it's not real. So what do you get? You get like, they'll find a match 
where they've like really legit hurt themselves or like Randy will put up a you know, 15 separate shoulders actually like that's it look what this job's done to my body it's like you've not won the argument pal <laughs> like WWE just seems like a place that's there to torture you it tortures you physically it tortures you personally it tortures you emotionally and that's not including the times that every character is positioned against an authority figure that for some reason doesn't want that character to succeed on the show that they own like that's what stuck out to me from this because I cannot buy in to the rest of the bollocks. I thought the Brock Lesnar line was pre- pretty cute. But after the Kofi Kingston match, we're back to receiving Drew McIntyre as like the top baby face. So the fact that they think they can just toss that off and then have us forget about it next week because it's all about Hell in a Cell, like that's condescending to me. It, it won't be to some that probably thought this was awesome, but it's condescending to me. Yes. Succinct fact of the matter is that it's turning this guy heel. In plain sight, death by a thousand cuts. Like, he's coming across as this unlikable, entitled guy. He's been, I've called him the skid mark before, and I'll call him the skid mark again. He's got no right to be in this title picture. He's been beaten out of it, and yet he's just Drew McIntyre. Like, it's just the unlikable, entitled traits that they almost involuntarily sort of apply to these characters because the idea is we couldn't possibly do a new title feud every month. That's just not in the MO or the DNA of the company. So they'll do it three times every time. And the more times it happens and the less effort they craft into building the character and putting them on the challenge, just looks like a total knob. It's the kind of thing that makes me halfway like, God damn it, Kevin Owens is good. Because Kevin Owens got put through this ringer on SmackDown a few months ago. He never seemed like that much of a knob, but just <laughs> doing, you know what I mean? Like he's because he's just a good sound bloke. I'm not saying Drew McIntyre isn't a very hard worker, like he seems like he's half decent crack, but the scripting is just making you hate him, and they are so inept that they don't realize that they're doing this. It's me a presence in this title picture, much less how he's being written in it is bad. He's being written isn't is an arsehole. I, I hate him now. I really like Drew last year, but he's a knob now. That was followed by Mace and T-Bar versus Lucha House Party. Skip, please. That's two minutes long. All oh, right. Okay. Skip it and get to the frigging thing. <laughs> do you want? Do you want to do this? Skip in the voice. I was hoping you could do it in the voice. Skip. <laughs> That's another member of Retribution, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skip rope. I want to do is I can like. Use like a lasso or something. Gee, my, my brain is <laughs> skip rope, skip rope, and hopscotch. <laughs> <laughs> That's Alexa, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mason T Bar murdered Lucia House Party and bit pinned Grand Matthew with a double choke slam. And they cut a promo gun. <laughs> I don't know what they said. I didn't write it down. I'll be perfectly honest. Anyway. <laughs> all that it's now time for this it's short it's crap it's wrestling related the five star review review nailed it (sighs) and this week's five star review review is brought to you by bad punter if you want uh, your name associated with the uh, five star review if you want to suggest something short crap and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful monday night raw segment subscribe to what culture wrestling and leave us a five star review just like bad punter who writes thanks to you all for helping me get through the numerous lockdowns we have had in ireland (laughs) (laughs) 
And then he says, Wilborn with his atrocious attempt at an Irish accent. Oh. Hamlet with his cautious optimism with WWE. <laughs> That's gone. Uh, <laughs> and Sidgwick, who's like the grumpy old man in the Cadbury's advert, throwing back all the kids' stuff, only happy with a EW. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said, for my five-star review review, can you look at Milkomania from 2001 with the Alliance's Austin Appreciation Night? Brilliant podcast. Thank you for that bad punter. Hamlet, set the scene for Milkomania. Um, right, so Steve Austin was really, really funny as a heel. Like, very, very entertaining. Uh, it was tanking the whole business. <laughs> Even he would say as much now. Massive catastrophic error, financially speaking, for everybody, but it was like broadly entertaining. The Austin run now exists as, you know, that meme of the person with the face mask on, the slapjack mask, but they're like streaming tears, angry tears behind them. That's all of WWE under heel Steve Austin in 2001. Um, He's a megalomaniac. The Alliance is an absolute disaster. The invasion's botched. Um, All of it's ruined, as you can tell, by about 40 guys that should have been making the money that were instead just in the ring in Steve Austin t-shirts singing along with him. So all you could really do was just try and, like, bask in the glory of Steve Austin's heel performance. I, I know there will be loads of people listening to this that loved that, just earnestly loved it. I was 16, and I was old enough to see that this was failing, that the thing I loved was dying in front of me, and it was like a really slow and protracted death. So, like, it didn't hurt as much as one might think, having, like, had, the, like, this greatest era of all time, boom period, blah, 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 blah. But it was dying. Um but stuff like this and stuff like Steve Austin's promos were sometimes able to distract you from that. And that's about the kindest that can be. Mm. This payoff is fantastic. It's like brilliant WWE production in that not only is this like a really strong visual, but it's a parody of something that was also a really strong visual. So they knew themselves really well. They knew their audience really well. They still knew how to do this, but it things were going south. Things were dying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they're all in the ring. Uh, we watched the highlights version of this. I didn't. I didn't need to hear Stephanie McMahon sing. Was it "Wind Beneath My Wings"? She sang. Yeah, went really long. This went like really long. <laughs> so watched, like, we watched the three minute version because. <laughs> uh, but it's just fun, like you say, when he's he's just talking and everyone's just kissing his ass. It's like Tommy Dreamer, Bubba Ray Dudley, uh, Chris Canyon, Mike Awesome's there, isn't he? There's a lot of them. Uh, and he, he's looking at them all. He says, look at you. You make me so proud. Everybody's got an ECW, WWWCW old shirt on. Everybody's. And he stops and he realizes one person is not wearing a big kiss ass T-shirt to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that's Taz. Taz has got his own shirt on, big orange shirts. Kind of hard to miss, really. And Stone Cold walks over to him, gets in his face. You think, uh oh, Taz is going to flip here. He's going to do something. He's definitely not going to be made to look like a little bitch. Uh, he says, <laughs> what, what are you doing? What kind of shirt's that on your chest? And does a lot he, throughout this, he does the whole, what? What's Taz is like, oh no, I messed up. I'm sorry, sort of thing. Is that a Stone Cold shirt? What? Is that an ECW shirt? What? Is that a WCW shirt? What? I thought you were here to appreciate Stone Cold Steve Austin. I just want to say at this point, like, what? Right, like, right at that point, it was like when crowds first saw Chaplin. Like, I include myself in that. Like, pissing myself at that. What? And him, like, 
checking what time his watch was on his wrist in the middle of a match on his tape. It, it didn't last, and obviously it killed everything. It killed everything for a while. But like, there's a reason why it did. Like initially, you're like, wow, that's that's comedy completed. Then <laughs> saying what after every line, that's it. Finish that. I'll swear this is what 2001. I'll swear this was this was secondary school days. One a friend of mine thought it was a good idea to start the what thing when a teacher was trying to like, okay, kids, today we're going to be learning about the geography of Africa. What? <laughs> like, don't do it. You, it's not the same. You're, you're losing the room. Like, this girl's going, why does he keep saying that? <laughs> I was in a, was a geography, geography or history in year seven. Substitute teacher was trying to control the rambunctious kids. She went, I've got two words for you. I'm <laughs> 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 suck it. And I got bald. <laughs> right was, there. Absolutely yeah. right there. And I was just realizing in telling that anecdote that I told the teacher to suck my cock when I was 11 years old. You just don't really put the two things together. You know that he's not saying to suck my kneecap, he's saying to suck my cat. <laughs> But at the same time, you don't really think that's going to be interpreted by a teacher. Is I'm with the same age. I used to like crotch chop me mum. It's not ideal, is it? <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> oh god! Do you ever have that thing where you were caught? Do you ever have that thing where you were caught saying or doing or like writing a note that said something? It was really offensive, and they went right, go up and write on the board. Right, my mind got caught when we were learning about World War One, passing a note. Where's this going? He got caught passing a note, and therefore had to write on the board. So we're all just looking at this from the rest of the class. Don't forget, he's trying to carry on and talk about you know the horrors of World War One. Whilst on the board is written, Sir sucks three. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Sucks Trench Cock. (laughs) (laughs) I love so much the escalation of trench foot to trench cock. (laughs) I love, you learn about the war and they've worked up the leg. Can you imagine how bad trench foot is? What about trench cock? (laughs) What about trench cock? <laughs> anyway, trench cock sounds like a Chikara character, doesn't he? <laughs> Trent Seven versus Trench Cock. Oh, God. oh man, we'll never stop this raw review for this exact reason for things like this. Sir sucks trench cock. Yeah, he's respectful. <laughs> That's a good juxtaposition. Oh. oh dear so anyway he's, he's bollocking Taz take that stupid shirt off take that damn shirt off and he rips Taz's shirt right down the middle just sprays it open wide he's about to you know I don't know what's going to happen next but regardless Kurt Angle's music hits and the roof comes off the building and they're saying oh it's Kurt Angle and JR it cuts to just behind the Tron and here he comes in his little milk truck, JR says, my God, what is that? That's Kurt Angle, all right, but 
It's a damn milk truck. Good angle is driving a milk truck right up to the ring. He always knocks the ring over, doesn't he? He crashes right into it. Backs it up a bit. Climbs out and starts with the milk cartons. And JR shouts, he's throwing milk cartons at the Alliance. Don't worry, though. Stasiak's coming. Here comes Stasiak. Kangle just throws him straight into the, the hood of the trunk. What an idiot. Brilliant. Angle is hurling those milk gardens. He's become the Olympic dairy man. He gets the he gets the hose, starts spraying milk. Oh my god, that's milk! Milkomania is running wild. This is stopping every single member of the alliance from attacking him. This jet's jet of milk. They're all prat falling all over the place. They're trying to get out of the way. They're, they're getting soaked. Meanwhile. <laughs> Austin is protecting himself and Deborah with just the belt. He's just holding the belt in front of his face and standing there getting drenched. JR just, just, this is the reason why he's so good. Maybe less so when he says Pax Welsh at double or nothing for some bloody reason. Anyway, he says, it's Milkman Madness. My God, you got milk. And the line of the night, the million dollar princess has become a dairy queen. Kurt Angle has got milk and Austin in the Alliance again and humiliated by Kurt Angle. Look at Kurt Angle. He's climbing on top. He's, I, I didn't realize this at the time, how slowly and carefully he climbs up on the top of the, 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 the milk wagon, the milk truck. Look at Kurt Angle. He's standing on top of the milk wagon. And, and then he gets two big cars. And now he's pulling out the heavy stuff. It's homogenized. No skimmed milk for Kurt Angle. Cold milk and cookies. What a combination. Kurt Angle is the Olympic dairy man. Milkomania has won, run wild on Raw. And there's that great shot of a, like, disgusted, confused, soaked, stone-cold Steve Austin with... Milk dripping from his goatee as the as the uh, clip fades. Sid, your memories of this? My memories are it's like gallows humor in it. Something you can laugh at while everything's dying around you. This is a good thing and a rubbish thing. Um, I just you're not allowed to say this many new things as if the things. Milkomania. He's the Olympic dairy man. <laughs> They're just basically trying to focus group a load of merch. Yeah. A lot of fan signs all at once, and it's like, oh, this is not organic at all. I like how uh, in mid-2001, Jim Ross said, it's homogenized, and confirmed it to be true, and then it was forever. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the comment section next. Once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, the Dudley Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Ubraj uh, starts us off by saying... This this can't be real, right? Why would they waste so much milk? So, guys, priorities sorted. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of wrestling being questioned, the reality of wrestling being questioned, the legitimacy, but milk can't be real milk, right? Enough to go around. It was real. Stephanie McMahon said it was in her hair and it stunk. On one of them top 10 countdown things on the network. It's, yeah. it's all there. Simeon Diaz, dark this, writes, oh, if only my stepdad had lived long enough to see this moment. Sorry? 
<laughs> right, move on. Is, that like a, is there a missing context clue? That I like don't a, know. There's no comment from Just it's what he would have wanted. Uh, Chris McDowell, unres unresolved anger issues here. God, Deborah was so annoying no matter what she did, even just standing there. She's not doing it. She just stood there. Kristen, Kristen, always, there was always one in there who makes it weird. Just writes, oh, I'd love some, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wanting some of Kurt Angle's bitty. <laughs> Cameron, I I'm just going to read this. You take what you want from it. Cameron writes, I love can go eat your favourite wrestler, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is my favourite. Thanks for that, Cameron. Solid contribution there. Just read it. <laughs> well, I've got to post. I love can go eat your favourite wrestler, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is my favourite. Yep, I think that sums up my opinion on this post. <laughs> and Sank, I feel like we've had Sankit on before as the final comment. Because Sankit writes, huh, girls be like, I ordered low-fat milk. This is full cream. Please take it back. <laughs> Stupid bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a girl be like that before. <laughs> Girls be like, what's this? Off and turn it off. <laughs> oh, so anyway. <laughs> Thanks to Bad Punter for that one. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Leave us a five star review. I mean, that wasn't crap, was it? But it's better than raw. Short crap wrestling related, you know the deal. Oh, God, we've got to get back to Monday Night Raw now. And uh, this is going to be a, on a future five-star review review. Alexa <laughs> Bliss is on her swing set. I thought you going to say because Ricochet was short crap and wrestling related. I'm not <laughs> talking to you. Okay. Sorry. Got to unplug her today. She's invited Reginald to a playground to celebrate his big win. Uh, and then in the ring, Seamus enters. He talks about how happy he was to be United States champion, to have the gold and get back on the road soon and defend his title in every major shit city. <laughs> Careful. Uh, he <laughs> said, uh, he, well, he quite rightly showed a video of Umberto Carrillo and Ricochet trying to embarrass him last week where they came across as complete knobheads because didn't Umberto Carrillo jump him after the bell after he'd been beaten and then Ricochet got involved, basically. Probably. Uh, but he said they acted like scumbags, and that's why he's not going to defend his title against them, but he's going to beat them back to back and send them back to catering. What actually happened was Ricochet and Sheamus fought for one minute. Umberto Carrillo's music hit and Ricochet rolled up Sheamus. Then Carrillo faced Sheamus, who was obviously furious. Carrillo was making a comeback, twatted Sheamus right in the nose, 100% broke it. It did add to the visual, I'll give you that. I don't want it to happen to Seamus, but blood streaming down his nose whilst he's furiously trying to murder him. But Carrillo did look great. Uh, he takes Carrillo to the outside. Ricochet's checking on Carrillo, so Seamus just kicks him in the head. Sets up for a bro kick. Ricochet slides in. Seamus goes after him. Carrillo, schoolboy, one, two, three. He's been pinned by both. He's furious. And Carrillo and Ricochet celebrate like they've both got legitimate victories over the United States champion, Michael Hamplett. It's the women's championship by another name, this isn't it? You got three 
losers, different types of losers, but all fundamentally losers, um, made up of characters that you might have once really liked or wanted the best for that you don't care about anymore because WWE has made you not care. Um, just, just miserable, just miserable booking of all of them, Seamus included. He's been sucked into this now as well. Gone is the bizarre and strange ability he had to make his bit of raw interesting through like force of physical will, basically. That's disappeared because instead they're doing this. Well, it's beat the clock by another name. They're just not calling to beat the clock. They're all still going a minute, two minutes or whatever. It's still Seamus the bully and these scrappy young kids and all that. It's just nonsense. It's nonsense television. It's not pro wrestling. It's just nonsense television. It's not pro wrestling. My take is that it's literally anti-wrestling. You've got a champion getting beat twice in six minutes. Anti-wrestling, anti the way to do things. You've got two ostensible baby faces ganging up on the heel, anti-wrestling. You've got two baby faces you can't root for, anti-wrestling. Celebrating a win that doesn't mean anything and has no stakes, anti-wrestling. Vince McMahon is a horrible old twat with a decaying brain. And this is anti-wrestling that makes the heroes of the hour... The guys you meant to like, the t- the guys whose t-shirts you meant to buy, the guy, and none of this matters anymore because the rights fees ruined everything in horrible, unholy union with Vince McMahon's brain rot. And I just couldn't hate the baby faces more. I could not think less of them anti-wrestling. Then we had, I think, a number one contenders match. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke versus Naomi and Lana with Natalia and Tamina on commentary. This was dreadful, dreadful stuff, this. Um, Naomi gets taken out on the outside. That allows Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke to hit a double-team neck breaker on Lana. Mandy Rose, uh, sorry, Dana Brooke pins Lana. And they lean over and say, yeah, we're coming for those belts. Whilst Natalia and Tamina pose with them after laughing off their competition, competition on commentary, Sid. Very poorly worked pro wrestling. I hadn't trailed off. That's literally the only thought. <laughs> the only thought I could conjure. Yeah, this this was like a really awful match. Um, and yet it was one of the few things so far on this episode that you could attempt to analyse when reviewing a wrestling show. Mm. It was a wrestling match where there was title ramifications, ridiculous as that may seem for this match. But like... The winning team that were going to be the best were going to get a title shot. On commentary, the tag team champions were there doing what tag team champions are supposed to do, which is to put over the prestige of those belts for Tamina to talk about how much it, and I believe her, legitimately means to have that title. Mm-hmm. For Natalia, and I believe her, to say, we want to make these the belts, these things to chase for. That's what these women are wrestling for. Like, everybody's trying to do their jobs as effectively as they possibly can, but through in the ring, poor training and horrific execution and on the commentary table dialogue that you absolutely cannot believe in the much as the wrestlers do like this was a mess this was a real disaster of execution when for about five minutes there was an attempt to just do pro wrestling the normal way unfortunately you had six people that were either like ill-experienced or ill-equipped to be able to do it i hate it when anyone whether it be these champions whether it be any other champion whether it be anyone in like MMA, when they get asked, who do you want to face next? I'll face anyone. Yes, that's a given. Whether you are 
you know, in control of booking who you face next or not. I know you'll face anyone. So say someone, especially if you know who you're going to face next, because then I think, oh, you're invested in this. So I'll invest in this. I don't know why I got annoyed by this. All I, I got, I, I sort of trailed you're really, It's because you're a really good and experienced interviewer and you've had too many ones go badly in that exact question. Who do you want to face? I felt lived in. Who do you want to face? Anyone. Yep. That's, it's going to be from a pool of anyone. So probably anyone will be it's a good, good choice. Also, I thought I, I sort of wandered off in my mind watching this match. It was dreadful. Are the women's tag team championships, here's a theory for you, Sister Abigail, because they change you, don't they? Bailey and Sasha, they're not friends anymore. The Iconics, blah. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, boy, they've gone diff- different ways. And now Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, uh, I don't know. So it's just comp book. I know you're doing a bit, but the, the, the reality is the comp book. And yeah. And everything that hasn't held the women's titles still gets along. <laughs> uh, oh, good. Another rematch. Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin. This one went 10 seconds, I think. They literally went, I oh, remember last week when he hit the thumb in the eye and hit the neuralizer. Just do that bit of the match again. That's literally what happened. And uh, Jimmy Smith, even Jimmy Smith, first night went, hang on, he won that way last week. Yep. Get used to it, Jimmy. It's no going to be happening more and more regularly. No comment. Was, um, was it LeBron James in that backstage thing with Bad Bunny? It was, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's okay that we skipped over it. I'm just thinking that, like, big, like a big deal. Like, Bad Bunny, again, remains more effective a promotional vehicle for WWE than 95% of its roster, <laughs> as evidenced with the very match that followed it. These two complete losers having followed a few more losers. Got this major, major star on Raw tangentially connected to WWE. None of the wrestlers have a hope in hell's chance of having as much impact as he did at all. This was this next segment and what followed was really, I was like, what? So Elias, they've got a tag team title match, Elias and Jackson Riker because of AJ Styles getting pinned or whatever. And he's in the back and Jackson Riker's just staring, you know, a thousand yard stare. And Elias says, he's trying to psych him up and say, come on, we're gonna win these tag titles tonight. And he says, oh, you're not even listening. Have you, have you ever been in a battle? And I, I realise it's Memorial Day weekend, or it had been, of course. And then Riker just goes, have you ever been in a battle? Because I served in Iraq. And he just left. And I was just confused. And I know, you know, possibly this was a lead into to the, the disharmony between these two that was going to lead to the split. Like this split had to have been booked today oh yesterday couldn't it it must have been hamphlet because it's, it came out of bloody nowhere yes and no we did a money in the bank podcast did we not which is available wherever you get your podcasts mm. and did i not give you cause for great concern when i said jackson Riker started wearing trunks vince McMahon sees him every week in gorilla look at him i did i not say that and now we have a split about six weeks out from money in the bank just enough time for jackson Riker to have a singles run because uh Damien Priest is the new Dawn. Gone off there, have you? <laughs> like, yeah, Jackson Riker started wearing trunks and Vince McMahon gets to watch him once a week. So, briefcase, baby. This was odd. I didn't enjoy the utterly contrived writing, like Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse and the word of the day. Hey! <laughs> like, why would he tell a soldier? He knows a soldier. He's meant to be your mate. It's kind of a big part of his life. You know why? It's because he's forgotten. 
Forgotten? Hey. <laughs> so it's like, of course he's going to respond to that. It's just pathetic. And the idea of pushing Jackson Riker is horrible. Like, it is horrible. It's so funny how this company is just slowly deciding to just embrace the hate. <laughs> that is itself. Just a quick, quick story. When I was uh, first starting out in commercial radio, I was uh, helping out as a producer uh, backstage at our big music event that we did. And we had James Blunt there, you know, notorious, like, funny guy, but also, you know, talented, very talented, and uh, former army general i think or he certainly served you know in the army and uh the guy i was with I, i'm not having a go well, i am he wasn't very good at his job still working though um and he said uh, james of course you uh used to serve in the army served in afghanistan how does here being here at live compare sorry how does how does how does working at a, a live music show compared to serving in afghanistan yeah i didn't i didn't learn my interview techniques from him unsurprisingly. Speaking of interviews, though, Kevin Patrick is backstage with Coffee Kingston. Uh, <laughs> Kofi says... Uh, he says his friends and family were not a detriment to his success. They were the reason for it. Uh, he doesn't understand why McIntyre's taking cheap shots at him, because he's a knobhead, apparently. Uh, McIntyre is, not Kofi. Uh, he respected what McIntyre accomplished. Didn't appreciate the cheap shot he took when comparing their match against Brock Lesnar. Uh, he said, yeah, I did lose to Lesnar. I also beat Lashley, which you can do on several occasions. Completely valid. Um, and he planned on beating McIntyre tonight and beating Bobby Lashley to become, once again, WWE champion. They're trying to make this have a big fight feel, I suppose, Sige. Yeah. I really... I'm getting a bit hungry and need a piss. <clears throat> I, I found myself quite rooting for Kofi Kingston in the main event as a result, which is yep. surely not wanted, is it? Like... <laughs> Uh, right, Raw Tag Team Titles on the line, AJ Styles and Big George taking on Elias and Jackson Riker. I'm not joking, Corey Graves said, hmm, not sure it's a good idea to have AJ Styles start this match. Yeah, he's not that talented, is he, Corey? He's only, what, uh, won pretty much every single belt in the company. Yeah. We did get beat uh, in two minutes off Riker last week, so it, it makes some kind of awful sense that he said it. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyway, uh Going back and forth, him and Elias. Riker tags himself in. Elias sort of goes, hmm. Styles Ox are both out the ring, takes him down with a drop kick. Uh, Riker goes for the tag later on in the match, but Elias inexplicably turns on him, hops off the apron, walks to the back. Styles tags in Big George, almost comes in, murders him, attacks him, short arms, clothesline, tags in Styles, phenomenal forearm. AJ Styles and almost retain the tag team titles. This came out of absolutely nowhere, Hamlet. Yeah. Um, throwing tomatoes must be the new sister Abigail. Because it really changed these people, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it did come out of nowhere. Um, but I not like not, I'm not even going to take my own home for it because it's Vincent Mann, isn't it? It's the oldest taking the book. He's just look look at Jackson Riker. Of course he's going to get a go. Of course he's going to get a turn. The Ice character's dead. The tag belts are dead. That everything's enthusiasm. Dead. That enthusiasm for AJ Styles and almost at WrestleMania is dead. Um, all gone. All gone. But Jackson Riker might enter money in the bank. And then we'll have to be this like nervous, like outsider 
that we'll at least have one climb that there'll be a real live crowd for that'll get incredibly stressed out about. Vince McMahon will love it. He despises this audience. He can't wait to have them back in the seat so they can be anxious and miserable. He cannot wait. Just one thing to add, because I, I really do, I'm getting hungry and need a piss. It's basically, I'm off the clock at this point um, in my head. What was I actually going to say? I can't remember. I can't remember. Had there, had there, had there. Jackson Wright again. I'm trying to jog my memory. I'm trying to summon a thought. It's dead. It's all dead. It's all dead, Jackson Wright. All oh, this is about him. Is it about him? About AJ Styles? That's gone. I don't care. <laughs> it's forgotten. Yeah, I've forgotten. I'll try and bring it back. That's completely gone. Sorry. Well, Elias is walking through the back. Kevin Patrick approaches him and he says, uh, Riker's unhinged, unpredictable. We're going back on the road, traveling from town to town. I don't want to be around Riker anymore. I mean, I don't blame him for that sort of motivation, to be honest, but... Well, he's a drifter, isn't he? <clears throat> the optics of this, I don't, they're so bad at everything. I don't even know if this is callous and on purpose. He's Elias basically saying... God, he's a bit of a bummer with his PTSD. I don't know. What, what's going on? Because the vacant stare, the fact that oh, he's unhinged, and you know, is he just saying, "Oh, guys, you're bringing out"? Oh, he's got PTSD. I'm not having this guy ruin every bloody bank holiday. Every Memorial Day comes out. If he's going to be like this, forget about it. I'm not going to be nice. Like I don't know. That, that, there was an element of that, wasn't there? <laughs> I can't be asked for that. Not good. Speaking of not good, uh, Lexus Playground. Uh, Reginald walks in. Just as a chat, Reginald's just like, yes, no bother. I'll just go to this uh, spooky uh, woman who talks to a doll. It's fine, no bother. Um, Reginald says, well, she says, how are you? He says, oh, yeah, I feel great. Uh, uh, my knee hurts a bit. But- it's back. My take is back. Oh, so okay. take on that whole development, right, was a couple of weeks ago, T-Bar did the SpongeBob um, lettering format and went, Raw doesn't have a tag team division. Raw doesn't have a tag team division. And then he listed all the tag teams, and I'm just thinking, I can't wait for them for this tweet to get cool tweeted into oblivion. Like in about four weeks, it's already happening. That's one tag team gone. Uh, Viking Raiders are just backstage doing nothing. Like one by one, these teams are dying. If there were even like tag teams, if there's no, there was never a division. There was just a list of people in the team together in the first place. But that tweet is aging like uh, T Bar's career. <laughs> So, yes, uh, Reginald says, yeah, got a bit of a hurt your knee, but I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Uh, and Bliss says, oh, I, I haven't got a question for you, but I'll tell you who does. <laughs> At what point when we were analysing the show, we go, all right, shut up, I'm teeing this off. <laughs> are you, I wouldn't have done it, but your little segue then gave me time to... Oh, so it was mine. Up. Great. <laughs> <laughs> What did you like me to? There she is. Is it the main event? <laughs> uh, so she says, Lily's got a question for you. And then they just sit there. Lily's got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Reginald just sits there. And she goes, oh, yeah, just remembered you got an ear, Lily, because I'm bonkers. Uh, and she wanted to know about Cirque du Soleil, apparently. But before he could answer, oh, one of the big unanswered questions there. In comes Shane Baszler, kicks the crap out of Reginald. Probably could have done with doing that earlier, to be honest. Comes in, beats him up, sits down on the swing set. Uh, and Bliss says, oh, you weren't invited. Lily doesn't like you. And uh, Baszler says, you're becoming a problem. We need to have a chat. 
So I'll see you next week. You're right there. Just do it now. Why not just do it now? Uh, and then I can't believe I wrote this. Baszler then got in Lily's face and said, you're just a stupid doll. I mean, this yeah, show's so bad. Me and Hamlet did a preview for it last Thursday and we're pretty bang on. So I, I, I dread to think what they're going to do next week. Siege, what do you make of this? Nothing. <laughs> They're, I mean, they've made a pig's ear of this, haven't they? Like, Shayna Baszler's not kicking out of this one. Nope. Like everything else, she's dead. Dread it. Run from it. Lily. Next came, did you alluded to it a second ago? Next came a segment that felt like it was out of a 2K game. You know when you create a character and they're like, oh, we need to set up a, set up a feud with you quite early on. Um, we'll just have interrupt with, interact with some chumps backstage and then uh, some bad guy is going to come up and say some nasty things. Mansoor was there and the Viking Raiders were like, oh, mate, I mean, you, you've never been in front of crowds apart, apart from like, you know, baying Saudi Arabia crowds that, that love and adore you. But when you see... Yeah, crowds, uh, it's going to be great, but you need something to say. So why don't you say, Raid! And he yelled it back and they were like, oh, pretty good. And they and, and uh, they walked off and uh, Mustafa Ali walked in and went, don't make friends or trust anyone. <laughs> anyway, why should I trust you? And he went, no, you're getting a kid. It felt like someone had 2K this. So just... a, a dork. A, a total dork they made him look like here. Mansoor slapping down the test to Mustafa Ali. That is the test. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Hello? <laughs> Did a rant at the expense of some fraudsters that went over well, so I was hoping to do another bit. Yeah. But the national insurance scam, like I'm getting multiple phone calls per day. The worst thing is they've hired this old posh English twat um, to make it sound like convincing. Hello. Our <laughs> national insurance number has been linked to some violent crimes. It's basically, some old biddy's going to go, Christ, he sounds authoritative. I'm in trouble. Give my <laughs> insurance number. Right, okay, you dumb bit. Here's your credit card details. <laughs> Just get a job. That first hello was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian walking in a poor London shop. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, See, so the only thing that, that made me smile about this Mansoor segment is being able to remind our audience, what was your name when you created a wrestler on uh, on 2K or whatever it was? Mine? No, sorry, Hamflet. Sorry. Uh, Mike Hock. <laughs> Took one hell of a beating. <laughs> now you're getting in, Mike Hock. <laughs> Mike Hack. <laughs> Mike Hack stands alone. I'm only like, bro. I said you'll be up as over at the main event now. My brother, Trench. Drew McIntyre versus Kofi. My cack. Drew McIntyre. That storyline with uh, Triple H and Steve Austin, because they can't even touch my cack. <laughs> <laughs> McIntyre go for Kingston. Much of what we saw last week until they just went out oh, no, no contest. 
Uh, Kingston hit a few uh, trust falls, went for another one. McIntyre caught him and hoid him over to the barricade. And it looked like he really messed him up by, by sort of throwing him into the LED boards. But that wasn't part of the story, so bollocks to that. Uh, McIntyre blocked an SOS and did look mint hitting that spinning future shock DDT. Got an earful from that. Uh, McIntyre goes to the Claymore. Kingston hits Trouble in Paradise. Near fall. Uh, McIntyre doesn't kick out, just grabs the bottom rope. Kingston uh, fights back, comes off the top of the Hurricane Rana, hits a penalty kick on the apron, double foot stomp uh, off the apron to the outside, shoves McIntyre back in the ring, goes off the top, but gets hit with a mid-air claymore, sort of an upward claymore rather than the sideways one he normally hits people with to allow McIntyre to get the one, two, three. Enjoyable match. McIntyre wins. He's heading to hell in a cell against Bobby Lashley. They shake hands post-match and Lashley comes out and poses with the belt afterwards. The show's finally over. Thank God for that, Sage. Really effective content. Went 22 minutes. <laughs> That's what it is. You can't analyse it. I mean, you probably should because it's not fair on the lads. You are, like, working really hard. Mm. Like, struggling to try and crack 22 minutes. Can you imagine? That's probably the source of the backstage stuff now. If you try and put yourself in the, in the minds of, like, the guys on the roster, like, their new thing that they're probably talking about because everyone bitches about their job. I don't have to do it. I'm privileged. And yet the show ruins it. So thanks for that role. <laughs> but like, I, I've been in jobs where I've hated it and they probably hate some of their jobs as well. And I can guarantee you that the primary source of how long you in 22, we did 22 minutes last week. Mm. They're, they're, what is the point in it going 22 minutes? Like this one you can vaguely justify because it has stakes. Last week, can you imagine them going the worst thing is like a lot of them are marks for it as well. Like the Miz getting put in a four-hour island death match. He's probably thinking, right, that's the thing to do on the Marine, on the Marine round here. <laughs> so you can't, maybe that's a bad take. Maybe they're just absolutely desperate for this idea for 22 minutes. And the idea being like, can you imagine like your favorite wrestler going 15, 22 minutes on pay-per-view? I remember like back in like a, a totally bygone era, like if you're, favorite guy when seven minutes on pay-per-view that used to be a big source of con like consternation like oh man if i just had more time they could have ended this awesome breakthrough performance and like maybe got themselves over as potential main eventers that used to be a thing incredibly mm -hmm. we're nowhere near that anymore it's just the more content the better and this is really effective content if you're from a wwe perspective look there were elements of this match that if i'm just trying to not be cynical about they worked, they adapted certain spots last week to try and make it seem like they'd learned from one another. Like they tried to really work hard and make this a sequel, but who could possibly care? I mean, not me. Yeah, like this was worked, like you only have last week as a comparison. This was worked with like a great deal more urgency, but then you would if you knew that this one was actually getting to finish. Hmm. Like they would have absolutely kept themselves in third or fourth tops like last week, knowing that you were going to get that conclusion. So why would you go for it? Like there was a bit, like I really loved, um, like the Drew hit the backbreaker, then looked like he wanted to dislocate both the Kofi's shoulders at the same time. And then like, plied him like he was just going to do something horrible on the top and then got powerbombed for it. Like went way, way, way too far into this, like Drew McIntyre's Scottish psychopath realm that he lost sight of what he was supposed to be doing, you know, just like, just win a wrestling match in the efficient way you've been doing it. There was good stuff here. Like, they, like Drew hits really, really hard. Kofi often bumps really, really hard. And there's, there was loads of that here as well. So it felt 
like they were trying to make that like trying to make the work leap through the screen. Um, but it is too long, especially after a three hour roll, no matter the, the cheat codes that you input at the start of the show, the double speed, whatever it is that you've got to try and get through this, you know, fast forward in the adverts, whatever. It's still too long as a raw made event that you've seen already one week earlier. It's, you know, they're undone. They're all, all the wrestlers are always undone by everything that is this company. So this was as good as it could have been, which is still not that great. And the promos did a far more effective job of making you want Kofi Kingston to win. Yeah. So the result, if anything, when you end in Raw with, you finish now, Bobby Lashley, like that was the intended vibe, but the actual one was, oh, this again, never mind. Well, let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, the NXT preview and the Double or Nothing review coming later on today. And, of course, if you want to suggest a five-star review, review something short, crap, and wrestling-related, just like Bad Punter did earlier on today, you can do that by subscribing to What Culture Wrestling and just leaving us a five-star review on there. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.